And so we know that we've been talking this past month about um, kingdom power, haven't we? And I think this is our third Wednesday that we've been discussing this and talking about the fact that we serve in, uh, in a part of a powerful kingdom. And the thing about it is, as the, uh, the church, we have to be careful that we don't forget that um, he is almighty God. He is all powerful and his kingdom is powerful. Amen. And we're a part of that. And we get to participate in that power. And we saw how uh, all through the old uh, covenant and into the New Testament that God was always proving himself by showing his power, uh, not just in the words that he spoke, but in demonstrations of power, miracles, uh, different things that happen, right? And we saw that... Um, you know, that we as the church have been also been given that power to be able to walk in us as believers individually, but also us being a part of the church that we've been given this power to be able to walk in and be able to operate in while in the earth. And we said that if you don't believe that his kingdom is powerful because you continue to listen to the lies of what ha is happening in the world and all the propaganda of the enemy, then you'll begin to think that Jesus' name really don't have that power anymore. But yet, have you found it and, and seen how it's the only name that uh, is always persecuted against and always trying to be shut down is the name of Jesus, right? Why? Because there's power and authority that backs that name. And any time it's mentioned, you may not believe it and people around you may not believe it, but there is power backing that name. Amen. By almighty God. Almighty God. And so we saw and we started, and I just want to do a little bit of review. I was hoping that I would be able to move on, but I just still feel restrained to talk about a couple of things before we move into some uh, things that we saw in uh, the New Testament where uh, Jesus was able to heal people and then he expected his disciples to be able to lay hands on the sick and see them recover and the fact that we've been redeemed from sickness and disease. But the Lord just wouldn't let me move over into that arena, arena at, because I, there was a couple of things that I felt like we needed to share that we didn't get into last week. But we started with the scripture out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, you know, this year, Pastor said, this is the year of review. And so it doesn't bother me every time I get up here to review the scriptures that you've already heard because there's power in the word. Amen. There's power in the word. I love the word. And every time I read the word, it just charges me up and it encourages me and it strengthens me. Come on. It builds me up. It feeds my spirit. It feeds my spirit. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, and you know what I believe about that, we are living in the last days. There will be very difficult times. People will love only themselves and their money. 
They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God. And if we are not seeing that in our society today, then you are blinded of what reality is. <laughs> and you need to get in the word. Amen. It says... Um, They'll be boastful, proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents. They'll be ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred, not even life. And we're seeing that. And it says in verse 3, they will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel uh, and hate what is good. They will betray friends. They'll be reckless. They'll be puffed up with pride and love pleasures rather than God. And they will act religious but will reject the power, say the power, that could make them godly. They'll reject the power that could make them godly. They want to act religious by just coming to church, but yet they will deny the power of God working in their life to make them who he wanted them to be. Powerful, godly people. Yes. And when I say powerful people, this is not power that's on a, a power trip. This is power that goes along with the nature of Almighty God. Because if you're walking in who, uh, in God's nature, we know that his nature is love. And where his nature is, there's not going to be a selfish ambition. No, so we're not going to walk in uh, a power that would, would not be right. We would be walking in the power of Almighty God in his nature. And, and that will be a good thing. Yeah. Amen. So we're not trying to be powerful and self-righteous. No, we know that we can do nothing in ourselves, that it's only through God that we can be who he says we can be. And we can do what he says we can do. It's only through him. Amen. It's not anything we can do of ourselves. So they're going to act religious, but they're going to reject the power that could make them godly. And the Bible says to stay away from those people. Stay away from the people that want to come to church and act religious, but don't want to change actually things in their life to make them more like God or to make them godly. Amen. And so we started with this scripture, and this is where we're going to continue in today, with rejecting the power that could make them godly. We said this in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, for we are not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And we said that what we've seen is that people want to talk about Jesus and his nature, but they don't want to demonstrate Jesus and what he did. People want to do a lot of talking about Jesus and what he did and all these things that are benefits for us, but they don't want to talk about the fact that we were to dem he was demonstrating what we were to do. He was demonstrating. And we read this in the scripture here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to read it and in the Amplified. 
uh, or in the New Living Translation, it says, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, but it is living by God's power. And then we saw that Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 4 through 5. Uh, my language and my message were not set forth in persuasing, enticing, and plausible words of wisdom, but they were in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power. Get this, a proof by the Spirit and the power of God operating on me, stirring in the minds of the hearers the most holy emotions and thus persuading them so that your faith would not rest in wisdom of men, human philosophies, but in the power of God. Our faith is to rest not just in the words of God, but in the power of God. And there were to be demonstrations. Amen. Demonstrations of the power of God. In the first place that we have to recognize that the power of God wants to be demonstrated is in your life. The power of God wants to be demonstrated in your life first and foremost. Personally, change the power of God changing you, changing your thinking, changing your behavior, changing your living, changing you. That is the first demonstration of the power of God at work in a believer's life. Do you know where he said uh, in Romans that we just read in uh, Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 where he said it's the power unto salvation. Last week we know that that word power is talking about dunamis power. That's where we get the word dynamite. Uh, dunamis power. He said it's the, the dynamite power of salvation. But that word salvation, when I looked it up, Listen, most of the time when you hear the word salvation, you only think of uh, him saving us from our sin. But that word salvation means much more than just saving you from your sin. It means health as well. There's healing that comes with his salvation. There, it also means deliverance. That means there's uh, deliverance that can come to your life. Like those Sunday that said they've been bound by different substances and stuff. And, and pastor had uh, led by the spirit to lay hands on people to be delivered from the power of things that were keeping them bound. So there can be deliverance. Not only is he there to save you and redeem you, but he's there to deliver you completely from anything that would have a hold on you. But not only can he deliver you, he can heal your body. He wants you to walk in health and healing. He wants the whole man, spirit, soul, and body to remain complete. He wants it whole. Everything, every area in your life that the enemy was able to come in and try to steal from you, God wants to restore it all back to you. He wants to restore it all back by the power of God. Amen. By the power of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And we talked about last week, though, moving on, that uh, 
he gave us the reason why it's so important that we recognize that we serve a powerful God and a powerful kingdom is because if we don't think that he's all powerful, then we'll think that uh, sin will still have a hold of us. And so last week we talked about the fact that when we get born again, we now are free from sin and death, free from it. That we are no longer bound to it. We are no longer to be slaves to it. We read that out of Romans, didn't we? Romans, I believe it was uh, chapter 6 is what I read last week. Romans chapter 6. I want to just highlight a scripture there. It says in verse 12, we read Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 23. But I want to focus on Romans uh, 6, 12, and verse 13. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Uh, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have a new life. He says we are no longer, right, to have let our uh, body, present our body anymore to things of, of a sinful nature. No more. No more are we to. The Amplified there, I don't have it on, on my notes or in up here for you to read, but the Amplified says to that, do not yield yourselves anymore as instruments of sin. Do not yield yourselves anymore. And so I want to talk about that a little bit tonight, about the fact here we've been talking about the fact that we've been given the power over sin and death. And people are saying, well, how do I allow this power to affect my life? How do I tap into this power, so to speak? Or how do I activate this power in my life? Well, you remember we said that once you get born again, that you become a what? A new creature in Christ Jesus. I believe that is 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 right? Uh, that anyone who belongs to Christ uh, will become a new person. The old life is gone, and now behold, you will have a new life, the NLT says. The old creature, the old man has passed away. Behold, all things become new. So you are now a new creature in Christ Jesus. You have his nature. Remember in Second Peter, just to remind you, we read this, 2 Peter chapter 3, or chapter 1, and verses 3 through 4. It says, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. For by this he has granted to us the precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of his divine nature. 
having escaped the corruption that is of this world by its lust. So once we get born again, we are no longer of the sin nature. We've become uh, now new creatures in Christ Jesus, and we are partakers now of his nature, a divine nature. So now we have his divine nature, the God nature on the inside of us. So therefore, we no longer have to be bound by anything that sin and death, death could have a hold of us with. So we have this new now divine nature. And remember uh, Romans 8, 11 said, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you, the same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you because you've been raised with him. You've been raised up with him, right? Because now you're a believer in the resurrection, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So now you have his divine nature on the inside of you, right? Ephesians 1, 18, we said this in verse 19, it says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world, but also in the one to come. He put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the what? the church. We are the body of Christ. We are the church of the living God. And he put all these things under our feet, which is the body, the fullness of him who filleth all in all. Amen. So once we're born again, we have a immeasurable and unlimited surpassing greatness of power working in us. Say, I have power working in me. I have power working in me. We know we read in John, it says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's the devil. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So if we have the greater one on the inside of us, then that power is there and available for us to tap into to activate it so that we no longer have to be bound by sin and death, but not only sin and death, the old nature, the flesh, to be dominated by the flesh or the passions and desires of the flesh. We no longer have to be bound by that because we have the power of God living on the inside of us. Once we're born again. These, there's a couple of scriptures that I didn't read last week that I want to read. Ephesians 3, 16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit. Where? In the inner man. You have to know that his spirit uh, lives on the inside of you, right? Amen. You have to believe that. You have to know that. And his spirit is not weak. It is powerful. And he's on the inside of you. He is there. His power, his strength. Remember, we talked about what that word uh, power meant last week. It meant strength, might, ability. All of 
those things are on the inside of you so that when you're weak, he can make you what? So is there ever a time you have to be weak? Only if you want to be. If you are a born-again, spirit-filled believer, the only time you have to be weak is when you want to. It's when you want to. There will be, I'm not saying that you don't ever have to feel weak. There will be times you will feel weak, but what do you do with that feeling? What do you do with the feeling? That's when you tap into the power. That's when you tap into the might. That's when you tap into his ability, into his strength. That's when you tap into that power that is available to you. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think. How are we going to, how is this going to happen? According to the power that works where? According to God's power? Alone? So many people are just trusting in his power and him alone, not knowing that his power's there, but it will never work unless we activate it. Unless we activate it. He is all-powerful. He is almighty, but he has to have a man in the, in the earth to be able to work that power through. We are partakers with him. We are co-laborers with him. We have to work with him. We just can't say, oh, God will do it and God will take care of it. He won't do anything and he won't take care of anything unless you are activating that power for him to do it. Amen. Amen. And what we've done is we have we have put all, because we are people of, of, of human nature and we're seeing a society that does not want to take personal responsibility because responsibility is responsibility, right? And so we're seeing a whole group of people just wanting to throw all the responsibility on God, but God never, met, never set things up. His law, his kingdom does not work like that. Nowhere in Scripture do you see God working alone. No, he works with us. He works with men. He had to find a man in the earth that he could work through. Adam and so on. Abram, Abraham, Moses, Noah. Come on. All of these people he had to work through. Amen. So, he, in Colossians, this is the last scripture concerning the power on the inside. Colossians 1.11, strengthen with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness, steadfastness and patience joyously. Here we are strengthened with all power uh, by his glorious might so that we can walk in steadfastness and patience. There are some things for us to walk into and we'll never do it outside of his power, his strength, and his ability. 
And so we're wondering why people aren't persevering. You know, it says in the scripture that in the last days, many are going to fall away from the faith. We even know that the Bible says that Jesus says, when I return, will I even find faith in the earth? So... Uh, we have to recognize that there's been power given to us so that we can outlast, outstand, persevere, endure, and be able to do all that God needs us to do, to become all that God needs us to become. So why? So that we can just come to church and get other people to know Jesus? No, so that we can actually advance his kingdom in the earth. Yes, a byproduct of that, that people need to be born again, but people don't just need to be born again. They need to be transformed. They need to be changed. They need to be delivered. Come on. They need to become all that God uh, wanted them to become in life. And it's going to take that power, that power. So I want to give an example about this power. You know, with electricity. Do you know electricity is flowing all the time, isn't it? It's flowing all the time. If, if, you have, if you've tapped into the FPL and, or whoever your electric company is, power is there. It's flowing all the time. But what is it that we have to do? We have to flip the switch to get it to work. What am I saying? We have to activate it. We are responsible. If we are born again, filled with the Spirit, come on, and have been given the power from on high, we have that power on the inside of us. It's always there. It's always flowing. It's already ready to be used, but all we have to do is flip the switch. We have to activate it. And how many people just sit by and just let this power just sit and never activate it, never flip the switch? What good is it? What good is there to have power if we're not going to use the air condition, if we're not going to use, come on, the lights, if we're not going to use our cell phones to charge, if we're, what good is all that power if we're not going to use it? And so we have this power available to us, but we're responsible to activate it. We're responsible to flip the switch, to activate it. And the way we flip it and activate it is the same way that we received the Lord Jesus Christ. It is by faith. It is by faith. It's by faith that we activate the power on the inside. But not only is it that we just know that it's there. Activation means there's something that has to uh, be active with it. That means there's a verb. That means there's something we will have to do. We can't just believe that it's there, right? We can't just believe that it's there. There's something we're going to have to do by faith to activate it. 
Just like when we call, we can't just believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And we think that, okay, I believe Jesus. But you've never done what the Bible says to do to actually tap into that salvation for your life. And what does he tell us we have to do? We have to believe in our heart, but not just believe in our heart. We have to make a what? Confession. We have to release it by faith out of our mouth. We have to release it by faith out of our mouth, and that's what activates it. So if we are going to tap into the power, we're going to have to activate it by faith, and then we're going to have to release it out of our mouth. We're going to have to release it. We're going to have to say when a situation arises, no, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. No, I'm not going to be bound by sickness and disease. You, devil, you are a liar. You are under my feet. Jesus bore my sicknesses. He bore my pain. He bore my diseases on the cross that by his stripes I have been healed. I'm activating the power of healing on the inside of my life. I'm activating, come on, whatever his promise says, I have to activate it by faith, but not just by faith, I have to release it. I have to release it. I have to release it. Amen. And the first way you release it is by saying it. Confession. We have to speak it with the heart. A man believes with the mouth, he speaks it. He speaks what he believes. He will speak what he believes. That activates the power. So, what, what am I saying? When you get into a situation, you're going to have to yield to the power that's there on the inside. You're going to have to yield to it. Let's give a, a, a practical example. My husband comes home since every time he preaches, he talks about me. So he always uses an example of me, right? Of my wife or your wife. Let's say your husband or my husband. If he comes home and, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, whatever, having a situation take place. And, uh, you know, he's getting ready to, um, you know, just be a little frustrated or on edge or whatever. And I just happen to think I'm not really in the mood for your, your frustration or your aggravation. I got enough of my own that I have to deal with. Uh, right? And so what am I going to say? Uh, you know, I have to then at that moment begin to say, okay. It's obviously he, he's having a bad day. Now, I can choose to yield to his frustration or his aggravation or his comment, or I can yield to what's on the inside of me. Well, if you don't have nothing on the inside of you, then you'll have nothing to yield to, meaning the Word of God 
or the Spirit of God, the power of God. If you don't have it on the inside of you, then you won't yield to it. But I know the Word. I've been studying the Word for 27 years. I've been reading the Word every day for 27 years of my life. I, by God, Lee, surely would have the Word on the inside of me. Right? So what am I going to do? At that moment, I'm going to have to choose to yield. I'm going to either yield to the word that's rising up on the inside of my spirit, or I'm going to yield to another word. (laughs) That may not be so edifying or may not be so proper. No, those days are long gone. But you know what? They're long gone because I had to learn how to yield all along for 27 years. Because don't think when we got married, I was as sanctified as I am today. So I would just tell him what I thought about himself back in the day. Right? But don't think that ugly thing couldn't just decide to rise up. And then I got to stomp on the devil's head again. Right? But... You know, so what did I have to do? I had to learn through practice how to yield to the word and the power of God on the inside of me instead of just giving him the what for and telling him, if you don't like it, hit the road, Jack, and don't come back. No more, no more, no more. Because that's how I was raised. Right? I don't need a man. I can take care of it myself. No man was able to take care of me growing up. I mean, do you not think that I didn't have to learn how to yield? I had to learn how to yield to the power of God, to the Word of God, instead of my flesh and instead of what I wanted to say. Now, there were times I said what I wanted to say. And then he'd look at me and say, don't ever say that again. And then I'd have to learn how to yield again. Because, see, I was raised in a divorced home. And so if you didn't like it, we could just get a divorce. This is how I I could have decided I ain't going to change nothing. You don't like me and you don't like what I am? I could have decided that I was going to live in a dysfunctional pattern in my life that I had seen time after time after time. And so when he looked at me for the first time and said, don't you ever say that word again, divorce, I had to say, I had to learn how to not say, (laughs) right? I had to learn how to not say. You don't own me. Had to learn how to not say that. I had to learn that a woman would respect and honor her husband because I had never seen that before. but, But where did I see it? In the Word. In the Word because I read it. Because I read it. And so at that moment, I would hear it rise up on the inside of me. Be slow to speak. 
slow to wrath, right? I, I, I would hear that coming up on the inside. Now, love is what? Patient. I would hear that on the inside. Love is patient. Love is kind. Long, see, I had to learn how to yield. And when I learned how to yield to that and not just do what I wanted to do or say what I wanted to say, then what happened? Power kicked in because I wasn't doing it alone uh, by, without that power activating it. You could call it power. You can call it grace, empowering grace to be able to do what I needed to do to grow, to learn how to overcome the flesh, to learn how to overcome uh, the old dysfunctional patterns of life, to really allow the Word of God to renew my thinking, renew my mind, renew what I was saying, renew what I was believing, renew how I was acting. I couldn't no longer just, you know, that kind of thing say whatever I wanted to say and be emotional and yell and scream and throw things. Yeah, I used to throw things. Slap across the room. Throw them. Why? Because I had seen that behavior. You know, I saw a milk jug when I was growing up go flying across the room at my brother. Right? Why? Listen, so all of these things, God is wanting to, uh, you know, help you be able to overcome old patterns, old ways, old lifestyle, all those things. He's wanting to give you the power to be able to change your life first so that you can actually be holy and godly. Right? So that you can behave in the manner that he says a believer should look like, talk like, act like. Okay, so what about thoughts? Same thing. You know, I had to learn how to arrest thoughts. I said, you know, one thing uh, last week I think I said is that, um, you know, one of the first messages I ever ministered in Bible college, because we all had a pastor's lab and we all had to preach before our student body. And uh, so my first sermon was called Worry Wart. What did I have? Why? Because I had to learn how to not worry. I had to learn how to not worry about tomorrow, about what I was going to eat, what I was going to drink, what, come on. I had to learn how to trust in God and not worry. How did I do that? By taking down thoughts of worry and lining them up to the word of God, pulling those strongholds, pulling those thoughts down and lining it up to the word of God. And so when a thought would come, I couldn't just think that thought away. You can't think thoughts away. You can't say, I'm not going to think that no more. 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 You can't think thoughts away. The only thing that will pull down a thought is the Word of God. 
is the word of God. And so whatever it would be that I would be worried about, probably money, you know, not having enough of money to take care of our family. We moved 20 times, you know, in the first years of our marriage, you know, trying to follow God and uh, all these crazy things, you know. And what did I have to learn? I had to learn along the way that I had to trust him. And, and the thing about it is, is I had to learn that he would never leave his children begging for bread. That he would never forsake the righteous. That he would never leave us as orphans. Orphans aren't taken care of, are they? Or they have to have somebody else to take care of them. But he said, listen, you're not an orphan. You're my child. And my father wants to take care of us. So I had to learn. So I had to learn how to take down those thoughts of whatever it is that was trying to raise up in my mind. And I had to cast it down with the word of God, activate it by faith, speak it out of my mouth. And the power was there to be able to do empower me to be able to overcome and the more you practice that doing exactly that yielding to the word of God on the inside of you yielding to the spirit of God on the inside of you because the Holy Spirit his job is to help develop that character in you he's there to help you with the fruits of the spirit the nine fruits of the spirit Self-control, right? Gentleness, goodness, patience, love, all of those things. He's there working in you to develop that fruit in your life as long as you will yield in those moments that the fruit is necessary to show up and activate it. Then the power of God will empower you to be able to overcome those things. The power of God will help you overcome and it will actually change you and make you godly. Yeah, that's right. Will actually change you and make you holy. The Holy Spirit's job is to what? Make not only just teach you, but he's teaching you how to be holy because it is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's holy. Amen. Amen. So we have to learn how to yield to the divine nature on the inside of us, the divine power on the inside of us by yielding to it, speaking it, and then it can go and be activated in our life. Now, we are literally the ones responsible to do that. God is not going to do it for you. He's already done it for you. He's not going to, you know, just keep my mouth shut, just tie my tongue up and not let me speak and say what I really want to say. No, I have self-control. So what am I saying? I'm going to have to learn how to put on, how to put it on. Listen to what he says here in uh, Ephesians chapter 4. In verses uh, 21 through 24, it says, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your formal way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Verse 23, Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes 
and you put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Put on the new nature. I like what the Amplified says it here. Put on the new nature created in God's image in the true righteousness and holiness. We have to put it on. We have to choose to say, I'm not going to allow the old nature to rule me anymore. I'm going to put on his nature. I'm going to put on uh, what he says that I can be. Colossians 3.10. And have put on the new self who is being renewed to the true knowledge according to the image of the one who he created him. So his whole goal is for you to put on that divine nature, to put on God's nature. Why? So that in recognizing that you are being renewed to the knowledge of who he is and to his image. You're being renewed day by day. So every day that you're picking up the word and you're reading the word, that's why I said it ought to be a shame for any believer to say that they do not daily meditate on the Word of God. It's a shame. The Word of God is there for, to, for you to feed your faith and to feed your spirit and to change and renew you day by day. It's necessary for every believer. I've said this before. Read your Bible, pray every day, and what? Outside of that, you're not growing. It is, you're not going to grow to the capacity and to the place that God wants you to be just coming to church on Sunday and Wednesday and uh, hearing a two-hour message. Thank God ours are two hours because most places are 30 minutes and that's what most people are living on. Because they're not self-feeders. You have to learn how to feed your spirit man. Feed your spirit man every day in the word of God so that the word is in you so that it can arise up in those moments so that you can activate it and then power can be there. Amen. We are responsible for feeding our spirit. We're responsible it's not just the pastor's job. The pastor should be helping equip you and teaching you, but it's your job to also be feeding on the word throughout the week. Most people are anemic from the word of God, and so therefore they're not activating power in their life, and therefore we're seeing so many defeated Christians right now. Anorexic. That's what I say. They're anorexic because they're not feeding on the word of God every day. All right. So it's very important that we are getting the word in us so that we have the word to rise up so that we can yield to it so that we can activate it and turn it on so that the power can be made available to our life. Uh, let's look at... Um, Let's see where I want to go. Galatians 5. Galatians 5. 
Galatians 5, verses 12 through 16, and the Amplified says there, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature is urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death these deeds of the sinful nature, you will live. How are you going to put to death these sinful things? By the power of God. By the power of God. See? These sinful natures, you're going to put them to, put them to death by the power of the Spirit. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. But I say walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive. Here we are. We're talking about yielding, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and the desires of the flesh or of the human nature without God. We will, listen, Paul said that he has to crucify the flesh daily. Our spirit man's recreated in Christ. We're a new creature in Christ Jesus. We have his divine nature now, right? We are to have his word now written in our hearts. Listen, we have the spirit of God now living on the inside of us so that the, the teacher, the Holy Spirit then can teach us and we are now to renew our minds. Romans 12, 2 says, we're to transform by our minds by the renewing of the mind, of the word, by the word of God. So we're responsible now to renew our mind, take in the engrafted word of God, which is able to save our soul. This is the soul realm where the seat of emotions, our will, uh, reasonings, all those things are taking place. We're now to renew our mind, but our body is still a flesh. And so we will have to daily learn to crucify the flesh. So everybody that talks about, oh, the devil's really attacking me, the devil is not attacking you. Your flesh is running you. Most of the time, it's your flesh dictating that you're yielding to the flesh, the sinful nature. The devil's not making you you know, do all these things that you say he is. I remember one time one of our children did something wrong when he was young, and he's, I don't know why I did it. The devil made me do it, you know. Uh, listen, the Bible says that we don't have to be ignorant of the devil's devices. So we don't have to be ignorant of what really is the devil at work and what is our flesh at work. Right? And so he's telling us, listen, if we're going to want to keep this flesh under and these things going on uh, in our flesh, then we're going to have to learn to be led by the, by the Spirit of God or be responsive to the Spirit of God and let the Spirit of God control. We have to yield to the Spirit of God so that we can crucify the flesh daily. That's why I said, at any moment, I could decide I'm going to flesh out on my husband. And I can't say, well, I've been good and non-fleshly for 27 years, and today you're just going to get a piece of my flesh. <laughs> I don't have that excuse or that right to let my emotions and my flesh control me. 
because I've learned I'm responsible now. Right? So that we can know how to now tap into the power of God. Yeah, you don't even know what I want to say to you, but I right now take every thought captive and line it up with the love of God. Right? Not just, I mean, I was just in a situation just this past week. Listen, I got plenty of situations that I could be fleshly with. You know? When you're trying to love people and teach people and then they don't respect anything you're saying and want to come and tell you the what for. You could decide. There's the hand. <laughs> but what do you do? You sit there. You put on love. You let them give you the what. How many people you just let give the what for? Just tell you about yourself and what kind of horrible person you are and you know, I can't believe you do, you, you would think this and do this and how could you do this? How many of you sit there? No, you yield to the power of love on the inside. You yield to it, to the power of love on the inside. So that when all their flesh is over with, you can rise above and really show the power of love. The power of love at operate, operating in your life. Because just because someone fleshes out on you don't mean you have the right to flesh out on them. As a born again, spirit-filled believer, we ought to know how to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us and activate love, activate self-control, Activate whatever it is that we need to do so that we can rise above and actually live and act and talk like God wants us to. So that why? So that you can stand before a holy God. You can stand before a holy God and not have anything in your heart against anyone. Do you know you will stand before a holy God? And he's going to say, I gave you the power so that you never had to allow that situation control you. Or you never had to let that person control you by their words. Or you feel inferior. Or you feel, come on, all of those things. Why? Because he really actually wants us to mature and act godly, not religious. Godly. Godly people because he is God. And he wanted people created in his image, walking, acting, talking, living, and, and doing everything just as he did in the earth. But we will never do it until we learn how to yield to the power on the inside. Amen. Let me read this last scripture. Out of Romans 8, I had this from last week. We never got into this. Romans 8, 1 through 14. I won't read all 14. I know y'all just freaked out a little bit. <laughs> Listen to what it says. Uh, I'm going to read verse 1. Uh, and then I want y'all to read 
uh, Romans chapter. Remember, I talked about reading the book of Romans. It's a great book, but uh, it would be nice if y'all could read it tomorrow. Romans chapter 8, we're 1 through 14. You know, I'm going to give you homework. It should already be homework. Every day you should be at home working out your salvation with fear and trembling, actually. Amen. So he says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So he is the life-giving spirit. It's the power that's freed you from sin. Amen? And then if you drop down to verse 13 and 14, it says this, for if you live by the dictates, which is what I had already read. Did I read this? Or was that in the other Romans 6? May have been uh, Galatians. If you live by the dictates, you will die. But through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. I read that with Galatians for some reason. Anyway, so we are to be led by the Spirit of God in our everyday life. And if we are going to activate this power, it's going to take us yielding to the Spirit of God every day. And I gave you plenty of examples on how to yield to things every day. You know, you may go to the restaurant and the waiter or the waitress may be having a bad day and, and she may be telling you what the what for, right? Does that mean you have to respond back to her in a rude way? Or maybe God would want to use you if you yield to the Spirit of God to be able to actually encourage that waitress that day. And actually, you know, say, hey, you know, you're doing a great job. You don't have to say, hey, I noticed you're having a bad day and you're really doing a horrible job. So let me try to encourage. No, you can say, hey, you're really doing a good job. Thank you for, you know what? And I have found that has diffused so many people over the years to be able to just encourage them and put a smile back on their face for the day. And then give them a nice tip. And they, wow, you know. And their whole day can change because you choose not to yield to their bad attitude or to their bad day. And you choose to yield to the Spirit of God on the inside of you. You've just activated that power in your life to actually live like God and act like God. And we don't have to live any longer to the dictates of the flesh. Amen.